welcome back to Shad Go Sell the Shadow Market. Now this is part four, and I'm gonna talk about what we read so far in very very short sentences, so we can go on ahead and keep going. And I have a speech impediment, so that's why it's kind of weird, kind of fast, and I am not a professional reader, so this is not gonna go fun. Well, at least. You know, I don't mean it fun. I meant like it's not going to go like a, an actual audiobook is going to be. It's going to be different. Okay. So, uh, we're in London, 1901. Uh, so, pretty much, we have this guy named Zachariah. He's walking around the Shadow Market. He sees a guy named Matthew. Well, a kid. Well, like, you know, a teen. Called Matthew. So now we go, then we go in the past, talking about how Matthew and his friend was expelled due to a fatal prank led by Alistair, which led to a student's death. And then, yeah, like they were expelled from the institute of Matthew's parents, who owned the institute. Uh, now we got back in the present where Zachariah meets Matthew. Like I said, we were just going up. Oh, really, that past part was just talking about how who Matthew is. So now we're back in the present. Uh, uh, so Zach and Matthew walks around the Shadow Market. Uh, then you know, just talk. They talk to fairies. They talk to you know other people here and there. And then Zach, or I'm gonna call him Zach. Uh, he meets a warlock, who was Matthew's professor, who did not like Matthew because Matthew apparently blew up part of the school. Uh, and then after Matthew, Zach, and the warlock was talking to each other, uh, Matthew excites everybody by jumping over green flames. Everybody's excited. Matthew gets Jamie and Lucy to, uh, enter the clubhouse. Uh, for a meeting only to get his aunt there. Like, it's just kind of weird. Like, they're going to try to go to a meeting, and then they, he sees aunt in their secret club, clubhouse. Alright. So, let me go to my bookmark. That's not my bookmark. Okay. Where's my bookmark? Is it right here? Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay, so let me go back a page. Okay. <clears throat> He turned over a vial of truth potion in his waistcoat. Friends? Now, friends, now we're all gathered here. Shall we share some secrets? Said Matthew. Jamie fiddled with his shirt cuff again, which he always did upon certain occasions, and pretended not to hear. Matthew suspected he had a secret love. He sometimes wondered whether James would have confided in him if he had been a different sort of person. More serious, minded, and dependable. Matthew left. <laughs> Come now. Any deadly hatreds you have harbored? Wait, any hatreds you... Uh, let me read that then. Let me read that again. Come now, any deadly hatreds you harbor in your bosom? Any ladies of your heart? Thomas flushed a deep red and dropped his knife. No! Oscar bounded over to fetch the knife for Thomas, and Thomas stroked his floppy ears. What? 
Okay. Matthew sauntered closer to the laboratory corner. Though he knew it, it was rash. Is there anyone who has caught your eye? He asked Christopher. Christopher eyed Matthew with an alarm. Matthew sighed and prepared himself to explain further. Is there a lady you find yourself thinking of more often than other ladies? He asked. Or a fellow, if you're into that sort of stuff, he added, tentatively. Christopher's face cleared. Oh, oh yes, I see. Yes, there is a lady. Christopher! Matthew exclaimed, delighted. You sly dog. Do I know her? No, I don't think so, said Christopher. She is a mundane. Christopher, you dark horse, said Matthew. What is her name? Miss... A married lady? Matthew said, overwhelmed. No, 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 I beg your pardon. Please go on. Miss Mary Curry, said Christopher. I believe her to be one of the premier scientists of the age. If you read her papers, Matthew, I believe you would be most interested... Have you ever met this lady? said Matthew. In dangerous tones. No, said Matthew, heedless of danger as he often was around irritated teachers and naked flames. Christopher had the audacity to look surprised when Matthew began to belabor him mightily about the head and face. Watch the test tubes, cried Thomas. There's a hole in the floor at the academy that Professor Fell calls the Christopher Lightwood Chasm. I suppose I hate some people, Arthur James. Augustus Pounce B. Livina Whitelaw. Alistair Carstairs. Matthew regarded his very own parabati with deep approval. This is why we are chosen warrior partners, because we share such perfect bond of sympathy. Come to me, Jamie, that we might share a manly embrace. He made incursions upon Jamie's person. James thwacked what? T-H-W-A-C-K-E. Okay, so whacked, then it's thwat. Thwat. James thwat. Okay. James thwat him over the head with his book. It was a large book. Betrayed, said Matthew. Writhing prone upon the floor. Is that why you insist on carrying about enormous tomes everywhere you go? But you might visit violence upon innocent persons? Done to death by my best friend, my heart's brother, my own dear Parabati. He snagged James around the waist and brought him crashing to the floor for the second time that day. James hit Matthew with the buck again, then subsided, leaning his shoulder against Matthew's. They were both thoroughly rumpled, but Matthew did not mind being rumpled for a good cause. Matthew Joseph James, very thankful that he had brought up Alistair and provided Matthew an opening to tell his secret. Alistair is not so bad, said Thomas unexpectedly from the sofa. They all looked at him, and Tom curled up like the earwig under the scrutiny, but persisted. I know what Alistair did to James was wrong, Thomas said. Alistair knows that was... That no, wait, Alistair knows that very well, too. That was why he prickly whenever he was mentioned. How is that different from his usual ghastly demeanor? Matthew demanded. 
Besides, him being particularly nauseous the day everybody else's parents came to Academy. He paused to consider how to tell him, tell them, but gave Thomas a chance to speak. Yes, exactly. Everybody's papa came but Alistair's, Thomas said quietly. Alistair was jealous. Misty Herndale came rushing to Jamie's defense and nobody came for Alistair. Can one truly blame the man? asked Matthew. Had a, such an insufferable toad of a son, and were he blessedly to be sent away to school, I am not sure I could bring myself to blast my sight with his visage until he accursed holidays carried him back to me again. Damn. So pretty much he just said, I don't send him to school. Only time I see him is for the holidays. That's only because he's forced to come away from the school. Like, damn. Oh, wow. All right. The way to go, Matthew. Thomas did not look convinced by Matthew's sound argument. Matthew took a deep breath. You do not know what he said to me the day we were expelled. Tom shrugged. Some nonsense, I expect. He always speaks of the most shocking nonsense when he is overset. You shouldn't listen to him. James's shoulder was tense against the Matthews. James had been the chief subject of Alistair's malice. Thomas clearly intended to defend Alistair stoutly. This line of argument was bound to upset either James or Thomas. Matthew was not about to soothe his own feelings at the expense of Jamie's or Tom's. Matthew gave up. I cannot imagine why anyone would listen to him. Oh well, said Tom. I like his nonsense. He looked wistful. I think Alistair makes his pain with cleverly tuned phrases. What absolute bosh, said Matthew. Thomas was too nice. That was his problem. Really, people would let you get away with being the worst sort of scoundrel if you simply had the secret sorrow or did not rub along terribly well with your father. It was definitely something to look into. His papa was the best papa in the world. So Matthew had no opportunity to be cruelly oppressed or sadly neglected. Perhaps he should spend his time brooding over a forbidden passion like James was currently doing. Matthew decided to give unrequented love a try. He stared out the window with all the pensive force he could muster. He was preparing to pass a hand across his favorite brow and murmur. Alice, my lost, my lost love, or some other such rot when he was abruptly wrapped upon the head with a book. Honestly, Jamie was lethal with that thing. Are you quite well, Matthew? Jamie inquired. Your face suggests you are suffering from an egg. Matthew nodded, but he ducked his head down against Jamie's coat and stayed there for a moment. It had never occurred to Matthew that Alistair might be jealous of James's father. He could not imagine being jealous of anybody's papa. Wait, 41 to 46? Uh-oh, no, I'm skipping like four pages here. Alright, here we go. Having the best papa in the world, Matthew would be perfectly satisfied with him. If he only could be certain of Henry was his papa. Early in the morning, Matthew unstoppered, really, it's unstoppered, U-N-S-T-O-P-P-E-R-E-D, 
Unstoppered. Unstoppered. Okay. Early in the morning, Matthew unstoppered the fairy's vial and tipped a drop among the cranberries for his mama's scones. The scones came out of the oven plump, golden, smelling delicious. You're the best boy in London, said Cook, giving Matthew a kiss. I am eternally selfish, declared Matthew, for I love you, Cook. When shall we be married? What? Get along with you, said Cook, waving her wooden spoon in a menacing fashion. When Jamie was a little boy, he had his own beloved special spoon. The family always reminisced about this. It embarrassed Jamie to death, especially when Uncle Gabriel presented him with a spoon at a family gatherings. Uncle started all sorts of soy jests were a fine idea. Jamie kept the spoons Uncle Gabriel gave him. When asked why, he said it was because he loved his Uncle Gabriel. James was able to say such things with sincerity that would shame everyone else. After James said that, Uncle Will loudly asked... Wait, Uncle Will. Like the Will. Like the, a person named Will, not Uncle Will loudly. Okay, I read that so wrong, okay. After James said that, Uncle Will loudly asked... What was the point of even having a son? But Uncle Gabriel looked touched. Uncle Gabriel loved Anna and Christopher, but Matthew was not sure he entirely understood his children. James greatly resembled his Aunt Cicely and tried very hard at being a shadow hunter. While Christopher not, might not be aware of any of them were, even were shadow hunters. Uncle Gabriel was especially fond of James, of course. Who would not be? Matthew stole Cook's spoon to give to James. I suppose that is for some absurd jest, said Charles Buford when he saw the spoon at breakfast. I wish you would grow up, Matthew. Matthew considered this, then stuck his tongue out at Charles. His puppy was not allowed in the breakfast parlor because Charles Buford said Oscar was not hygienic. If you could simply make an effort to be sensible, said Charles. I shan't, said Matthew. I must sustain a strain from which I could not recover. His mother did not smile at the theoretics. She was staring at her teacup to all representatives lost in the sight. His father was watching her. Is Mr. Gideon Lightwood coming to conduct you to Idris this morning? Matthew asked and pushed the plate of scones toward his mother. Mama picked up a scone, buttered it liberally, 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 buttered it liberally. L-I-B-E-R-A-L-L-Y. Okay, so I found another word I can't, can't say. Liberally. 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 Okay, let me say that. Okay. Mama picked up a scone, buttered it liberally, and took a bite. Yes, she said. I will thank you to be civil to him this time. You can have no idea, Matthew, how much I... Mama stopped speaking. Her small hand flew to her mouth. She sprang to her feet as if trying to take action in emergency. And they managed, you always did. Under Matthew's horrified gaze, tears shimmered in her eyes... Abruptly spilled in two long, bright tracks down her face in the morning light. Matthew, discerned at a faint tinge of violent 
of violet in her eyes. Then she collapsed, her hair falling out of its titty coil, her gray skirts of sudden riot on the floor. Good lord, what the hell happened? What the hell you put in her scones? Good lord. Charlotte, cried father. Henry Fairchild used all kinds of ingenious contractions to get about, but that family's breakfast he had only an ordinary chair. Not that it mattered, he simply launched himself from the chair in his haste to get to Charlotte, and fell heavily on the ground. He hardly seemed to notice he had fallen. Instead, he crawled on his elbows toward the, the inert heap that was Mama, dragging his body painfully across the carpet as Matthew watched frozen in horror. Okay, so if you don't know the father is in a wheelchair, he had a terrible accident. Okay. He reached Mama and clasped her in his arms. She was always so small, but now she looked small as a child. Her face was still and white as the face of the marble bus in mundane tones. Charlotte! murmured Papa, as if he was praying. Dearest, please! Mama! Matthew whispered. Papa! Charlie! He turned to his brother, but he... Wait. He turned to his brother the way he had when he was a small, when he had followed Charlie around everywhere and believed his brother could do anything in the world. Charles had bolted out of his chair and was shouting for help. He turned back into the doorway, staring at his parents with a wretched expression that was very unlike him. I knew how it would be portaling back and forth from London to Italy so that Matthew could be near his precious parabati. What? asked Matthew. I didn't know. I swear, I didn't know. Cook had appeared in the doorway in response to Charles' shouts. She gasped, <gasps> Miss Fairchild! Matthew's voice shook. We need Brother Zachariah. Brother Zachariah would know what he had been given Mama and know what to do. Matthew began to explain the evil thing he had done. But there was a noise from Charlotte and the room went still. Oh, yes, thought to Mama and her voice terribly weak. Oh, please. Fetch Jim. Charles and Cook raced from the room. Matthew did not dare approach his mother and father. Finally, after some long and terrible time, Brother Zechariah came. Parchment-colored cloaks swearing about him like the robes of a foul presence come to deliver judgment and punishment. Matthew knew Brother Zechariah always closed his eyes. Still, he still saw. Wait, what? Matthew knew Brother Zechariah always closed his eyes still saw. Okay. He could see Matthew through his sinful heart. Brother Zachariah bent and skipped Matthew's mother up his arms and carried her away. All day, Matthew heard the sounds of comings and goings. He saw the carriage from the London Institute rattle up to the door. Aunt Tessa emerged with a basket of medicine. She had been learning some warlock magic. Matthew understood what they needed. A silent brother and a warlock. And they still might not save his mother. Charles did not return. Matthew had helped his father back into his chair. They sat together in the breakfast parlor. As the lights turned from the glow morning of the blaze of day. Then faded into the shadows of evening. Papa's face looked carved out of old stone. When he spoke at last, he sounded as if he was dying inside. You should know, Matthew, he said. Your mama and I, we were... Separating, ending our marriage. She loved another. Matthew braced himself for the horror, but when it came, it was greater than anything he could have imagined.
We were in anticipation of of a happy event, said Papa, his voice catching in his throat. Matthew stared at him with a blank incomprehension. He simply could not understand. It would hurt so much. Your mama and I had to wait some time for Charles to be food and for you, and we thought you were both worth the wait, said Father, and even in the midst of the awful moment, tried to smell from Matthew. <coughs> Sorry. Like, I'm kind of still kind of sick a little bit. This time, Charlotte was hoping for, for a daughter. Matthew choked on his horror. He thought he might never speak another word or eat another bite. He would be choking of horror for years. We thought we were in anticipation. It was clearly, it was entirely clear that Father was certain and had reason to believe his children were his. We were concerned since you and Charles are both now quite grown up, said Henry. Gideon, good fellow, has been dancing attendance on Charlotte's during clave meetings. He always stood as her mother's friend, lending her the Lightwood name a consequence whenever she needed support and advising her when she wished for good counsel. I'm afraid I have never truly understood the workings of an institute, let alone the clave. Your mama is, your mama is a wonder. Gideon had been helping his mother. Matthew was the only one... Wait, Matthew was the one who attacked her. So I had thought we might name her Matilda, Father said in a slow, sad voice. I had a great aunt, Matilda. She was very old, when I was still young, ripe. And the other boys used to tease me. She would give me books and tell me that I was smarter than any of them. She had splendid, buttery, white, wavy hair, but it was gold as when she was a girl. When you were born, you already had the dearest fair love locks. I got her and Aunt Maddie. I never told you, because I thought you might not like to be named for a lady. You always have a great deal of ender with your foolish father, and whose are cable at your mother and your parabati. You bear it all so gracefully. Matthew's father touched his hair with a gentle, loving hand. Matthew wished he would pick up a blade and cut Matthew's throat. Wow. So pretty much uh, Matthew wished that his father would kill him. Wow. Okay. I wish you could have known your great, great aunt. She was very like you. She was the sweetest woman God had ever made, said father. Save your mother. Brother Zachariah glided in then a shadow amid all the other shadows crowding that room to summon Matthew's father to his mother's beside, bedside. Matthew was left alone. He stared into the gathering darkness at his mother's overturned chair and dropped scone that it was a rail of crumbs going nowhere. The greasy remnants of breakfast over the deranged table. He, Matthew, was always dragging his friends and family to art galleries, always anxious to dance through life. Always prattling of truth and beauty like a fool. He had run headlong into Shadow Market and blithely trusted a Downwater because Downwater seemed exciting. Because she had called Shadowhunters brutal and, and Matthew had agreed. Believing he knew better than they, it was not the fairy woman's fault or Alice's or the fault of any other soul. 
He was the one who held chosen to distrust his mother. He had fed his mother's poison with his own hands. He was not a fool. He was a villain. Good lord. Okay. Wow. Let's just keep going for a little bit and see what happens. Matthew bowed the fair head that had been passed to him through his father. From father's best loved relative, he sat in that dark room and wept. Brother Zachariah descended the stairs after a long battle with death to tell Matthew Fairchild that his mother would live. Aww. James and Lucy had come with Tessa and waited in the hall along this long day. Lucy's hands were chilled when she clung to Jim. She asked, Aunt Charlotte, is, is, is she safe? Yes, my darlings, said Jim. Yes. Thank the angel, breathed James. Matthew's heart would break. All of our hearts would. Brother Zachariah was not sure of Matthew's heart after the mischief Matthew had wrought. But he wanted to offer James and Lucy what comfort he could. Go to the library. There is a fire lit. I will send the Matthew to you. When he went into the breakfast room, he found Matthew, who had been all gold and laughter, cowering in his chair as if he could not bear what has to come. My mother, he whispered at once, his voice brittle and dry as old bones. She will live, said Jim, softening seeing the boy's pain. James had known his parabotty's heart better than Jim. There had been time when Will was a boy. Everybody assumed the worst of with good reason. Everybody except for Jim. He did not want to learn harsh judgment from the silent brothers or less forgiving heart. Matthew lifted his head to face Brother Zachariah. His eyes told of agony, but he held his voice steady. And the child? Brother Zachariah said, The child did not live. Matthew's hands closed on the edge of his chair. His knuckles were white. He looked older than he had mere two nights ago. Matthew, said Brother Zachariah, and whirled off his brothers in his head as well as he might. Yes? Rely upon a silent brother for silence, said Jim. I will not tell anybody about the shadow market or any bargains you may have made there. Matthew swallowed. Jim thought he might not be able to be thanked, but Jim had not done this for thanks. I will not tell anybody, he said, but you should. A secret too long kept can kill a soul by inches. I watched a secret almost destroy a man once, the finest man ever made. Such a secret is like keeping treasure in a tomb. Little by little, poison eats away at the gold. By the time the door is opened, there may be nothing left but dust. Brother Zachariah stared into the young face that had been so bright. He waited and hoped to see what the face lit again. All of this, all of this about the shattered market, Matthew faltered. Yes, said Jim. The boy flung back into his golden head. I, I'm sorry, said Matthew coldly. I do not know what are you talking about. Zachariah's heart fell. So be it, he said. James and Lucy are waiting for you in the library. Let them give you whatever comfort they can. 
Muffy stood from his chair, moving as if he had grown suddenly old over the course of the day. Sometimes the distant silence of brothers possessed to move them to suspicion, observation, and too far from pity. Alright, so I'm going to stop there. I'm trying to keep these uh, sessions around 30 minutes. And that should be a good time to stop. Right there is because uh, nobody's talking anything. He just lied to Brother Zachariah about the shadow market and stuff. So let me just uh, go over what happened. And a couple sen- sentences. Okay. So pretty much uh, Matthew and everybody, they're doing a, uh, a breakfast. You know, talking about rather good stuff and stuff. Well, right before breakfast, Matthew put in a uh, truth serum. I think I think that's the best word to put it. A truth serum into scones, which is a dessert, I believe. I don't know. I'm not British, so I don't know what a scone is. But he gave the scone to Mama and nobody else. Uh, she took a bite out of it. She passed it on the floor. And then it turns out she was poisoned and she was pregnant. So Matthew... Poisoned his mother by accident and killing his almost sibling. Damn. And he was being uh, yelled at by Brother Zechariah telling Matthew that he should uh, tell the truth and what happened or where he got the stuff. And Matthew just acted like he had no idea what Brother Zechariah was talking about. So now Matthew's being sent to the library with his friends there. Damn. Alright, so uh, thank you all for watching, uh, or listening at least. Uh, listening, that's, you know, it's going to be on Anchor and Spotify and stuff. But on YouTube, I will upload the video part 4 in like the next day or two. So yeah, that's that. Alright, so uh, thank you all for listening. I'm Zombie Killer for you. Alright, 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 alright. I am on page 50 out of 600. I'm getting there at least. I'm getting there. Little by little, I will get there. I'll probably get done by around, you know, sometime next year, probably.